Quote, there are times after a crazy day at work that you just need to have some quiet time to process. I am telling you, night skiing is your answer. Sunset and moonrise provide great colors in the sky. Fresh air revitalizes. The quiet eases the mind. Enjoy the silence. End quote. I go out walking after midnight out in the starlight just hoping you may be somewhere a-walking after midnight searching for me Hello Hello, Powder Hounds, and welcome to the Powder Hounds Podcast, a ski trivia game podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shaw. It is February 12th, 2021, the eve of the big show, the President's Day holiday and school winter vacation week. And holy cow, there is a lot of snow on the ground, and Mama Nature ain't done. The forecast shows more storms rolling in on both coasts that should tee up those holiday week stay-and-play packages. There's actually so much snow, at least hyper-locally, I even snuck in a little midnight skiing. Given that, it only seemed appropriate for the opening tune of today's episode to be Patsy Cline, giving a nod to Skiing After Midnight. As for the opening quote, that would be the Wasatch's own Jody Salen, who, like me, has rediscovered the simple joy that is night skiing. So sit back, kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding, Powder Hounds. The early season pleas for more snow have been answered by Mother Nature, and then some. Even in the lowlands of Connecticut, the blanket of snow that fell back in late January has only grown in depth. To take advantage of the fluffy bounty, the latest layer at least, I've skied every day this week, mind you, skiing of the cross and backcountry variety. First observation, I am out of shape. <laughs> Pandemic 15 aside, I like to think I take care of myself, but man, uphilling is no joke, even at sea level. <laughs> Second observation, I'm amazed how quickly the body acclimates to new routines. To get in these fresh turns, and of course, up my cardio, the alarm is now set at 5.30 a.m., yet I wake up before that terrible repeating sound every time. In fairness, I've had plenty of practice rising early thanks to ski day trips, catching early flights, running in Ragnars, morning paddleboarding, the kind to finish by 9 a.m. to beat potential parking tickets, and most recently, caring for an infant. All of this is good training, but I'm still amazed how alert the body is and ready to work at these dark and early hours. Perhaps it's the attainable reward at the end. That reward, catching the sunrise every morning this week, seems to have boosted my productivity, mood, and probably fitness. So after the latest overnight snowfall, I decided to answer a question that had been bugging me for way too long. But first, a little background. 
Walking a hilly neighborhood street with a family a few months back, I offered a casual remark, swearing the grade of the road was steep enough to ski when covered with enough snow. You see where this is going. My wife rolled her eyes and muttered something about, quote, trying not to get hit by the plow. <laughs> and fast forward to the tail end of the latest snowfall, and conditions seem promising to answer the question. Now, it had dawned on me that this whole pursuit could be abruptly derailed at any time by the unmistakable scratching sound of a nearby snowplow. And by the looks of the accumulation on the road, the plow truck was due for another pass. I in turn hastened my stride. A few pull pushes off was all that was needed to gain momentum, enough to make long turns gliding effortlessly by homes that line the road. The mix of snowfall, and light from front porches and walkway lanterns made the scene momentarily resemble night skiing at a ski area. Sure enough, the momentum carried me to the flat section of the road. Yes, it could be done. Now, for those that know me, it won't surprise you to hear that I did a bunch more laps before getting too heavy on my edge and catching pavement. <laughs> now, they, now, retired skis were being used for this covert operation, so no harm done. Author Shannon Alder once said, quote, some stories have to be shared because no one would believe the absurdity of it all. While this story is clearly absurd, it was surprisingly satisfying. The human-powered pursuit left no trace, the trails uncrowded, and snow unmarked, all factors attributed to the typically positive ski experience. Too bad this ski area is only open for midnight skiing between plow passes. Okay, okay. Enough shenanigans. Moving on to the next segment. A new segment, Tips Up! The Buffett-like segment title is a quick rundown of good reads, listens, and watches if you need a break to let your mind wander or some motivation to get on out there. First up, an article from Powder titled, A Treasured Hat is a Ski Partner Who Never Bails. Written by Abigail Berrien. Her attic discovery of a pile of her dad's 80s-era corduroy hats struck a chord as I, too, discovered a hat of the same material over the holidays. The only difference was the ski area logo emblazed on the cap. Now, I'm also a sucker for nostalgia, and the foreshadowing of Abby's discovery seven years earlier in Washington State to the present day living in New Mexico is just a good vibe read. Next. A book titled Living the Life by David Rothman. The culmination of a few decades of living in ski towns is shared through short chapters detailing group, partner, and solo adventures. His birthday backcountry ski tradition, perfect thunderbolt timing, and a revolting use of a blender are informative of what to do and what not to do. But the self-discovery and lifelong friendships cemented through multiple night stays in a ski hut shows what the lifestyle is all about. Next up, a podcast from On The Lift. Hosts Lance and Mike interview Steve Casimiro, reflecting on his days as the editor of Powder and now editor and founder at Adventure Journal. The parody Freud quote about snow dumps is so true. My buddy Eric once said something similar years back that has also always stayed with me. 
The most valuable part of the conversation was highlighting the contrast between what we know and what we don't know, illustrated by the common snowflake. Indeed, endless adventures await. And finally, a video from freeskier.com titled, Why Bike 1,033 Miles to Climb and Ski Three Peaks. Ask Cody Townsend and Michelle Parker. Talk about peaks and valleys, but it's hard not to get sucked into the story of two childhood friends turned bike and ski partners teaming up for a remarkable 1,033 mile bike and ski adventure that ended up lasting 36 days. Cody Townsend has been on a mission to ski all 50 lines listed in the book, 50 Classic Ski Descents in North America. Now, if you're unfamiliar with that, think Tuckerman's Ravine, Mount Superior, but replace them with ski lines in Oregon and in Washington State. To remain as isolated as possible due to the pandemic, the two left Tahoe on May 22nd, towing skis, climbing gear, tents, essential bike repair items, and a day's worth of food, all totaling 100 pounds, behind their bikes. <laughs> In the reflections, they shared that biking, the act of propelling oneself forward, is a metaphor for life. Cody went on to say, quote, although there is a shallowness of purpose on these trips, there is a depth of meaning that through great challenge, you find a resiliency that bonds you to purpose. Relating the physical and mental challenges of the bike to ski trip with the hardships in everyday life, he found change is really, really hard. And sometimes we need the hard to slap us right across the face to incite the change. Now the short film runs about a half hour, but be sure to watch the end credits, which provides much needed closure to a stinky competition. On to our main segment, Ski News of the Week-ish Trivia. Now this is a collection from January and February, 2021. I will read through all 10 questions, pause very briefly, and then go back through revealing the answer and a little bit of information about the answer. Think of this as on-demand trivia games. First up, what Vermont ski area is offering free smart wool socks for advanced bookings during the President's Day vacation week? Number two, the Indy Pass added two ski areas to its offerings this season, bringing the total to 61 ski areas and 122 ski days on one pass. What are the names of those two ski areas? Number three, what resort company announced a renewable energy purchase commitment that will put them on a path to achieve net zero emissions by 2030? Sticking with clean energy, what Vermont ski area installed a second solar array that will generate power equivalent to that used by 18 or so homes? Number five, what is the name of the new private mountain resort development in Utah? Number six, what is the name of the Massachusetts ski area that had two significant lift accidents in the same week this past January? Number seven, 
What transportation solution is Governor Spencer Cox of Utah leaning toward to relieve traffic congestion in Little Cottonwood Canyon? Number eight. What Idaho-based ski area opened another 350 acres of skiable terrain in an area deemed Sunrise Bowl? Number nine. George Willett signed a deal with his daughter, Katie Bodeker, to take over ownership of the oldest ski hill in the state of Montana. What is the name of that ski area? And number 10, what New York ski area celebrated its 85th season this year? All right, those are your 10 Ski News of the Week-ish trivia questions this episode. Hopefully you got all your answers, and we will reveal the answers now. First up, what Vermont ski area is offering free smart wool socks for advanced bookings during the President's Day vacation week? That would be Stratton. That's right. The offer is valid for advanced bookings from now until February 27th. New bookings only. One pair of socks per paying customer, and sizes and color vary based on availability. Number two, the Indy Pass added two ski areas to its offerings this season, bringing the total to 61 ski areas and 122 ski days on one pass. What are the names of those ski areas? The first, well, they're both in Idaho. The first is Pomerel. According to local freshies, Pomerel Mountain, what it lacks in vertical and scary steeps, it more than makes up in quantity of snow and quality of grooming. Apparently, they get about 500 inches of snow annually. And also, Soldier Mountain. Located in the same mountain range as the resort, the Soldier Mountains, this newly acquired ski area is a true phoenix rising out of the ashes. Like, literally. This past fall, there was a terrible wildfire that caused severe damage to the resort. But the new owners had to, were able to replace everything on uh, one of the chairlifts, uh, everything except for the towers. They're also looking at the fire as a glass half full perspective as it will introduce glade skiing to the lower part of the mountain. How about that? All right, number three. This is uh, from Sam. What resort company announced a renewable energy purchase commitment that will put them on a path to achieve net zero emissions by 2030? That would be Boyne Resorts. Dubbed the Forever Project, Boyne Resorts has worked with the same renewable energy company, CMS Enterprises, to offset about 70% of the company's carbon footprint, the portion driven by electrical use. CMS Enterprises develops, owns, and operates utility-scale wind, solar, and energy projects for large customers. Now, the, this array will power the equivalent of the resort's 300-plus homes and condominiums and is the first of its size for Boyne Resorts, and the project will serve as a pilot for potential installations at other properties. Number four, and also sticking with clean energy, what Vermont ski area installed a second solar array that will generate power equivalent to that used by about 18 or so homes. That would be Sugarbush. A few years back, Sugarbush partnered with Green Lantern Solar for six arrays to go online, providing enough power to power all of Mount Ellen 
and their operations. The new solar array continues a string of sustainable initiatives that Sugarbush has undertaken in recent years, from forest management and water initiatives to electric vehicle charging stations, greenhousekeeping, and composting recycling. Number five, what is the name of the new private mountain resort development in Utah? That would be the Wasatch Peaks Ranch with 12,740 acres. Wow. And that's about 35 minutes north of, from Salt Lake City and 10 miles south of Snow Basin. Hopefully you know someone that's a member. <laughs> Number six. What is the name of the Massachusetts ski area that had two significant lift accidents in the same week? Well, I usually like to keep the ski news of the week-ish positive, but uh, this one, not so... Well, I guess it ended maybe okay, uh, but uh, the answer is Blue Hills. In late January, unfortunately, a seven-year-old boy suffered serious injuries after falling 35 feet from the chair. Early reports indicated that he was okay. But then three days later, a dozen or so skiers were stranded on that chairlift after a malfunction, some for more than two hours in frigid temperatures. Not great, Blue Hills. Number seven, what transportation solution is Governor Spencer Cox of Utah leaning toward to relieve traffic congestion in Little Cottonwood Canyon? Yes, the home of Alta and Snowbird. The answer, a gondola. Governor Cox is leaning toward a gondola to relieve Wasatch traffic, but detractors worry of, quote, amusement park in the mountains, end quote. So yeah, a, apparently a 30-gondola base station at the mouth of Little Cottonwood Canyon with bus service from two hubs would cost an estimated $576 million, plus about $8.3 million to operate. There's a different alternative gondola proposal as well. Uh, there's also two other traffic relief options. The first is enhanced bus service with no road widening, which would cost $334 million and about $10 million in annual operations, and also a cog rail with four train cars and a station, which would cost an estimated $1 billion and about $6.3 million to operate annually. So there you have it. There's going to be, apparently one of these options is going to go forward, and that is going to be wild to watch. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> this is the one to watch, Satch. It sounded better as I, as I read the words. Um, <laughs> number eight. What Idaho-based ski area opened another 350 acres of skiable terrain in an area deemed Sunrise Bowl? That would be Sun Valley. Yeah, Sun Valley finally dropped the ropes on their backcountry-inspired area, Sunrise, named because it gets first light. After a massive storm delivered four feet of snow, the new terrain consists of bowls, glades, and chutes, and increases the resort's skiable acres to just under 2,000. 500 skiable acres. It, uh, they also wanted to point out that there are incredible views over the sawtooth wilderness that makes one feel like you are far outside of the ropes. Number nine, George Willett signed a deal with his daughter, Katie Bodecker, to take over ownership of the oldest ski hill in the state of Montana. What is the name of that ski area? That would be Showdown, Montana. Yes, after 47 years as a ski area owner, George Willett sold the mountain to his daughter. Uh, Kate, 
Katie joins a relatively small list of women ski area owners. Now, according to Kelly Pollock, president and CEO of the National Ski Areas Association, for the most part, quote, for the most part, there are lots of women, past and present, who own with a husband or family, and only a few, if any, that are solely owned by women. Betsy Pratt comes to mind, uh, someone who paved the way. She was the majority shareholder uh, at Vermont's Mad River Glen for a very long time. Also, Carol Holding became the owner of Sun Valley Resort in Idaho after her husband Earl died in 2013. So that's great. Congratulations to Katie. And number 10, finally, last question. What New York ski area celebrated its 85th season this year? That would be Mount Peter, Mount Peter ski area. Now, executive manager Amy Sampson Cutler wrote a delightful letter to the community. It started, quote, Hello, skiers, riders, and tubers, and thank you for calling the Mount Peter Snow Phone, end quote. She goes on to write, Quick math, I said those words on a nightly recording 1,920 times. <laughs> it's something I've done each and every operating night since I took over the snow phone 16 years ago. That's right, they still operate a snow phone, which I called just to double check this was, this was a thing. Uh, yeah, the snow phone, and she had been through a lot. She shared that uh, recording that sentence and the actual snow report uh, was recorded in her office, from her car, in hotel rooms, at a conference, while away at grad school, in her basement while trying to be as quiet so she wouldn't wake up her baby in a hospital waiting room, in a hotel lobby, while sick, while tipsy, during a divorce, while falling in love, through heartbreaks, and the best days of her life. Pretty cool. And then she also went on to say, this is kind of the lesson of it all, I learned the fine art of finding the good in any ski weather. Skiing and snowboarding while we are making snow is the same as skiing and snowboarding during a snowstorm. The dreaded R word is nothing more than immature snow that is yet to crystallize. And if you are skiing or riding in wet weather, well then you're in luck because the snow is forgiving. It's easier to learn and guess what? You're still skiing. <laughs> Happy 85th Mount Peter. Now there it is, a handful of headlines from Ski Country from January and February 2021. Thank you for playing. Looks like it's four o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you for listening. Have a question, comment, or correction? Contact me on Twitter at Powderhound Skis. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Verbal, Spotify and Stitcher. Just type Powderhounds Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds. Well, that's just my way of saying I love you. I'm always walking after midnight.